0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate players' cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. My name is Riley and I'm with Bill. Hey, how
1: you doing? I'm good, how about you? I'm doing alright,
0: thanks. And today we have the class of 1984. Uh, Jacques Lemaire, Bernie Perron, and <laughs> Phil Esposito. Um, some a, a little A little clearer cut, I think, than a number of our previous classes in terms of like guys who um I remember many years ago uh, Bob McKenzie saying a uh, really it was actually really dumb but he he said <laughs> this thing called the Hall of Fame test and it's like it was just like saying the player's name and saying like hall of famer ahead of it and I was like I don't know what that tells you but like in this particular case I feel like most people would just not be like a, Objecting vigorously if you said any of these guys were in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, well that, that that's it. It's like you know, like it's it's sort of just like a yes or no test. Like you say the guy's name and it goes, oh yeah, Hall of Fame. Like just
2: yeah,
0: it, you know? yeah. I I mean I, I and I get I get that as like a rhetorical thing, but of course the person who cares about like actual facts and numbers like recoils at that because like a lot of people feel that way about players because they like the player, you know, or like
1: yeah, well, it's, it, it's actually interesting, you know, and. I'm sure most people haven't listened to it, but our our like greatest defenseman list. You 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 went through a lot of stats and did you know made spreadsheet yeah. and stuff, and I literally wrote mine down on the back of a pack of batteries because it's all I had at hand. And our list ended up remarkably the same. So it's like, that
0: that is true, but I I'm I'm spoiler alert. I think when it comes to wingers, that may not be true. We're, that's true. I could probably, be
1: wrong. Probably not true because there's a, quite a few of them I really don't like their stupid faces. So. <laughs>
0: um anyway uh i i think it, these guys are are fairly consensus like the to the extent there's a weak case here it's jacques lemare um and uh and we will we're gonna talk about him first um as we like to you know that's sort of been our want for the last few uh, uh classes um but basically it's a little stronger class than the last few is, is all I was trying to say, because like, you know, there is, uh, it does seem fairly unquestionable. So we're going to start, um, with Jacques Lemaire, and then we will go to Perron, and then we will go to, um, uh, Esposito, who, you know, has a case that is, um, preposterously good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, So, uh, first off, like I said, we have Jacques Lemaire, who, uh, began his somewhat brief NHL career, for a forward anyway, um, in 1967, uh, and he played 12 seasons, all of which were quality, and, uh, when he retired, he was 18th all-time in goals, 21st all-time in assists, and 21st all-time in points, so pretty good, but not, like, completely, utterly, um you know like sort of the level that uh, some of his uh, peer like Esposito for example was at um yeah,
1: it, it sounds like he's sort of he's a top 20ish player yeah. like, that's pretty good like you're you're definitely you're at least getting a conversation if you put up those kind of numbers right yeah
0: so. absolutely and also it's worth noting he was also eighth all time in plus minus which is really high uh that's a plus 344 um, he was also 24th all-time in offensive point shares and 21st all-time in defensive point shares among forwards, and I bring this up because, as far as I know, he had a bit of a reputation as a two-way player. Um, he never won the Selkie because partly he retired like a few years after it was invented, but my what I've read about him was that he was um, known to be fairly good defensively. I could be wrong about that, but I've heard that. Uh, he was also 22nd all-time in assists per game and 18th all-time in points per game at his retirement. Be- but because of the 80s, all of he's dropped out of uh, being high up in all of these categories, obviously. He retired right before the 80s started, and then everyone went crazy. So he looks pretty good for his era of the 15 skaters playing at least 820 games or 10 modern seasons between 67 and 79. He's fourth in virtually everything. He's fourth in goals, assists, assists per game, points, and points per game. He's second in goals per game, which is pretty impressive. But he's .22 behind Esposito, which is a lot. Like uh, it's a a fifth of a goal per game for over a career is a hell of a lot behind somebody. But he's, you know, Esposito is that far ahead of everybody. He's also noticeably first in plus-minus among all skaters. Uh, over that period. Now, it's worth noting that that does not include Bobby Orr, because Bobby Orr didn't play that many games over this period. Um, but it does include Larry Robinson, I think. It might. It might not, actually. Probably doesn't, because Larry Robinson was a rookie in the early 70s, so it might not. Anyway, he's still like, first and plus minus, and then he's third in offensive point shares, and third in point shares. So, a top, a top four uh, forward Um maybe even three uh, for his era, despite the fact that he is not quite a point per game player. His 82 game average is 80 points and a stunning plus 33. This is a forward we're talking about. It's usually, it's usually defensemen who have like the really gaudy plus minus numbers for being on a, you know, a high, uh, like a high goal differential team. His three-year peak from 72, 75 is a pretty impressive 91 points. Uh, per 80 games and plus 32 so weirdly is his, his slightly less than his uh you can tell that the, like the last few years of his career on the greatest team of all time really bumped up those plus minus numbers because his his offensive peak which was right before that he's actually a lower plus per season than he is on his career um which is one of the weirder things i've seen when since i've been doing these notes but that's partly because in one year he was plus 69 and another year is plus 54 near the end of his career because of those teams. Um, his playoffs, uh, playoff stats, he was sixth all-time in playoff goals at his retirement, fifth in assists and fourth in points. And that should be no surprise because, of course, he played on the Habs, if I hadn't mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. And uh, they played a lot of games. He was ninth all-time in playoff games at his retirement. This is a guy who only played 12 seasons. So that's kind of insane that you play 12 seasons and yet you're ninth in playoff games played. Like that happens because you're on the Habs and you're on the 70s Habs specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, per game, he was 17th all-time in playoff goals per game, 22nd all-time in assists per game, and 13th all-time in playoff points per game. At his retirement, he is, of course, nowhere near those anymore because of the 80s. But still, he that's, that's um, you know, in terms of at least points and goals per game, it's better than his regular season. Um, So that's, that's cool. Arrow wise of the 38 skaters to play in at least 82 playoff games between 67 and, uh, and 79, he is first in goals fourth and goals per game first in assists 10th in assists per game and first in points by 16 which is just an absolute ton since we're talking about playoff points and six in playoff points per game so he's he's the career he's the leader of the era but it's partly because he played so that much his per game numbers are worse than his totals um and again i believe he had a bit of a d- defensive role occasionally um so i mean I, I could be wrong about that but i believe he did um so uh, that's, uh, you know, it's not crazy that his per game numbers are a little bit lower. Also, you know, he just played a ton of games. So it's not so not a surprise that he doesn't have, you know, with 145 playoff games, it's not a huge surprise that he's, his per game numbers are not quite as good as his totals. Because that includes presumably both the uh, the early part of his career and the slight decline, if there was one, which we will talk about at some point. Um, I guess adjusting for era, um it hurts them slightly. it drops the hockey reference adjustment drops them down slightly to seventy five points per eighty two games instead, so that's minus five, but it's still quite close to uh, a point per game um and uh, versus x lights and uh, the the online adjustment or sort of a community online community adjustment, I guess you should call it. Uh, likes him a little bit more than uh, the hockey reference adjustment does, giving him a total of 880, sorry, 808 career points instead of 776, which is what hockey reference says. Um, but in both cases, those are lower than his, uh, true totals. Um, he was never traded, but the Habs did fail to re-sign him, um, at the end of, uh, 1979 for some reason. Um, especially weird where he or sorry, maybe they, they sent him an offer and he didn't like it or something. And it's especially weird. Cause of course he, he had his best playoff, his career at age 33, which we will get into. And so he just went and played in Europe um, at 33. Huh. So uh, it's I, worth I noting. No, I didn't either actually. Cause I, you know, you and I weren't born yet. And uh, it it's uh, so he went and he, and weirdly he played in like not even the best league. Uh, he played, um, I think it was it was in Switzerland or something. I'm, I'll pull it up right now. And he uh, he didn't play in the top league. He played in a lower league, and he just destroyed the thing. He just went <laughs> to some, like, I don't, it, it's a little bit like uh, uh, Ken Nelson would do this later. Same yeah. thing. Only he's from Europe, so it made more sense. But he would go, he would find these, like, shitty European leagues. Like, he once played in Spain and scored, like, three points a game in Spain for some reason. And so, yeah, Lemaire went and played for, yeah, the Swiss two, the, uh, the Swiss two, it's like the second tier. And he had, uh, 45 points in 28 games in his first season. And he had 87 points in 38 games in his second season. Um, yeah. So I don't know what the Habs did to him, but they made him unhappy. And he went and (laughs) played in here and in a shitty European league and just lit it up. Anyway. Um, so that's, uh, one reason why he was never traded. Uh, so, accomplishment-wise, uh, he has no major awards, uh, which is not the biggest surprise because this is a guy who never, like, led the league in, you know, anything. Uh, but he was a top-ten player by point shares once in 73, and he was a top-five offensive player once as well that same year, and he was a top-ten offensive player by offensive point shares twice. So, not nothing, like, really stand out uh, stands out in terms of, like, regular season dominance in terms of offensive ability, but he was extremely consistent. He scored 30 goals six times. He's one of only 17 players to ever do that. He scored 25 goals nine times. He was one of only 14 players and he drop it down to 20 goals. It's 12 times one of only 15 players. And that's all at his retirement. But like the fact is he was a consistent goal scorer. He also had 40 goals once, but he was reliable his entire career. Basically, uh, you know, he played 12 seasons, right? And he scored 20 goals every season he was in the nhl so consistent performer uh you know he he wasn't you know his top five goals once top 10 assists once top five in points only twice so none of these are super impressive but then again 50 assists three times he was one of only 22 players ever do that 90 points three times he's one of only 13 at the time uh 50 points 11 times one of only 16 so again mu- very much in line, Bill, with what you said about him being like a top 20 all-time offensive player at his retirement. He he didn't have a peak that a lot of the players we've talked about, Hall of Famers we've talked about, has had, but he had a consistent level, almost a little bit like a shorter, you know, if you take Rattel's peak away that one year he was incredible, it's almost like he had a shorter career career. Uh, Regular season, I'm talking about specifically than Rattel did, but he had an equal level of consistency where he was just always good. You know? Yeah. Um, except the big difference between Lemare and Rattel being that Lemare was on the Habs and so of course had some stuff we're going to talk about <laughs> um, in a minute. He was also top five and plus minus once and top ten three times. And the versus X peak adjustment. This is where things get <laughs> possibly a slightly dicey for his case. Versus X is best seven seasons. They have him in goals as 154th all time, wow. assists 148th, and points 120th. Like oh, that, that is
2: that is good. getting
0: that's <laughs> getting into territory where you're like, I don't
2: know, if this guy should be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Now they all improve for his best ten. Again, about his consistency, right? He didn't have a strong peak, but he was extremely consistent. So if it's the best ten, he's 122nd in goals, so that's 32 places up. Uh, in assists, he's 139th, so only nine places up. But in points, he's 10 more places up, 110. So his regular season numbers, totals per game, sure, but never quite had the offensive peak. And again, as I said, I think he had a decent defensive reputation, but I don't actually know. So then, the the other thing, of course, is he had the he had the um, the playoff totals, which. Which were in his favor, but then of course there's the fact that he won uh, eight is eight it's eight cups right it's eight yeah it's eight <laughs> eight, eight right. cups so that that you know and and here's the thing it's not like he was completely garbage on those teams for one thing in his final uh, series of games with the Canadians he was their best forward probably he led the playoffs in goals and he co-led in points um, on the seventy nine tabs that. You know, the last of those great teams. And then he was a top three forward by points on three championships uh champions in 68, 73, and 77. And keep in mind that 77 team had LeFleur, um, as well as the 79 team that he led that he co-led in points with, I believe, LaFleur. And then lastly, he was also a top six forward by points. It's worth pointing out on four other champions, 69, 71, 76 and 78. So the reason I keep saying by points is of course, as we always say, we don't have ice time. And if Lemare was actually playing a, a more defensive role against the other team's top line, he might've scored a little bit less, but played a lot of minutes. We don't know. Um, I, I read the game a couple of years ago. I don't remember if there was anything in there about how much he played but i know there was a lot about how important ken dryden thought he was to the team um but the fact is that he went out and like led the team in scoring at age 33 um you know who knows what why that was specifically but he at least had one playoff where he has he it was either him or lefleur was uh, the best player it wasn't like um i think that was the year maybe um could that be the year that uh Ganey won the Consmite for some reason?
1: Could be, yeah. Um Is Robinson Gainey. I think maybe maybe Lamaire started to play with Wolf
0: Yeah, at one point they did play on the same line. I don't know how long, but I know they did at some point. Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think uh honestly, I think that might be the seventy nine one might be the one that Bob Ganey uh won the con with seven fewer points than Jacquemare because reasons.
1: Yeah, well, well it's, sometimes it's like the, you know, he, he might be one of those things where he and Lafleur sort of split the you scored a lot of points vote, and then the people yeah. were more interested in wow, Ganey shut down every other team's top guy. Well, yeah, yeah, like like the, yeah. the argument, I I can I can see that for a consmythe too. Like when it's not like seven points to me is not the be all and end all, even though I know
0: the playoffs. Are Six great. sixteen games.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot at the same time. Like look at last year, right? Like the you know, the the Canadian I'm sure I'm sure you watched the playoffs last year. Um yes. at least a little bit. So like when the Habs went on that run, if you look at Deno's points,
2: yeah you're like, no, I know.
1: you think he's useless. But he shut down every other team's top players to such a ridiculous extent that you're like other than price, he would have been my vote for the the myth if if the
0: habs yeah. had won, right? So yeah, uh, as a counter example, I would say that very few people. I know it's a different sport, but very few people are, are okay to at this point with Andrea Goodall's Finals MVP for the same, which was the, entirely the same thing. He supposedly yeah. shut down LeBron, and like in retrospect, a lot of people are like, we feel bad about that. But there was like this collective hysteria in the moment
1: where they're like, yeah, well, yeah. we
0: have to give it to him. Well, they um, had to because otherwise then they
1: have to admit that LeBron doesn't always play great in the finals.
0: No, he actually played fantastically, though. Like, that was the, the st- <laughs> I know,
2: I'm
1: just messing with you. I hate LeBron. So I just <laughs> it but just
0: But like, that was the thing that was stupid about it. It was like, it could all have, like, made him slightly less good, but barely. Anyway, <laughs> um, regardless, Lemaire had a decent chance for a Smythe that season, um, which would help his case. And the other thing is just, I just want to stress that even though I have him listed as a top six forward on half of these cups, I honestly don't know um, whether that's true or not, because I don't know his ice time. And you got to think if he was playing first line minutes in 77 and 79, why wouldn't he have been in 76 and 78?
1: Well, see, that's the, in seventy six and seventy eight, you would say yes, but maybe earlier in his career, not right. So yeah. it's it, it, yeah. it's really hard to say with the Habs because anybody like you can take a guy who's like, oh, that guy's a number one center on any team in the NHL. They accept that. Yeah, like <laughs> just they were so loaded, it's just ridiculous. Sometimes yeah. I I kind of feel like, and this is without having gone back, but just you know snippets that I've heard from some of the older guys that talk on Montreal radio, which you know since I'm. I've lived in Montreal most of my life. I've listened to a lot, so I, I know more about the Habs than uh, you know than probably any other team except for the Canucks. And it's like the it's the way they talk about him. It's like he was you know one of those like early sort of hockey IQ guys uh, yeah. where he fought the game uh, at a really elite level, but also was just sort of capable of doing everything. Like if you wanted to score, you put him on a line with Lafleur, and he can do that. If you wanted to shut somebody down. You can put him with some defensive guys, you can, like just sort of one of those Swiss Army knife type of guys. That's like so critical to a team's success, especially in the playoffs, where, oh my god, this series we need you to do this instead of scoring. Like, okay, like I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the impression. It's probably what makes him such a goddamn good coach too. Yeah. Um, anyway but I'm sure we're going to get to that point.
0: So well, I just, I just, I just want to mention, actually, I, I was looking at the lineups trying to figure out who was playing ahead of him in 78. And I realized I fucked up. It was actually, he was actually top three forward by points. Robinson was the, the third player ahead of him. And it was uh-huh. a defenseman, defenseman obviously. So I screwed that up. But in 76, it was Mahovlich who was playing with the right? That was the, the donut line. Cause Mahovlich wasn't supposed to be a Pete, Pete Mahovlich. Um, who wasn't supposed to be a center, right? That was the Donut line, wasn't it? LeFleur, Shut, and Moblich? I thought that was the Donut line. Uh,
1: maybe? Uh, it's, it's, again, before my birth, so as much as yeah. I heard about them, I don't know little specific things like that. Uh,
0: anyway. anyway, yeah, I, I think, like, the thing is, as much as you can you can quibble with some of Lemaire's regular season case in terms of compared to some other players, the fact is he won eight cups, and he was, like, fairly important on at least half of those cups. He was more than fairly important. He was very important on f- at least five of those uh, five of those eight cups. So, uh, yes, it's a chicken of the egg and egg question about, like, could they have won without him? But, like, as you said, Bill, like, people have talked about his versatility. And um, it's just it's possible that he would have had a bigger offensive role on some other teams, it's also possible maybe on a different team, he would be more focused, more center of the offense regular season, but that's not where he was on. And like, you're not like bumping a guy out of the hall of fame who has eight cups, probably, especially one who had at least on at least five of those cups, definitely had an important role. All right.
2: Um, now
0: uh, we have Bernie Perron. And actually I meant to pull up something about him. Forgot, so try to do that uh, while I'm talking. Uh, but basically, uh, Perron had a had a slightly strange career. Um, he played from '67 to '72. He then ran to the WHA. In fact, I think he was their first ever marquee signing, even before Bobby Hall, I think. Um, and then that went poorly, and he came back. Uh, and then he became. For a little while, essentially the best goalie in the NHL. So he had a he had a weird one, a weird career. Um, and uh um so we're gonna start uh first of all go, as usual go over his career. Uh so he played 13 seasons in the NHL, 10 as a starter, one as 1A-ish starter, and then two, he was either a backup or he was injured. Uh, when he retired, he was 11th all-time in wins, 18th all-time in losses, 13th all-time in ties, or sorry, 6th all-time in ties, he's still 13th all-time. Um, and um, he is still 24th all-time in shoutouts, he was 14th all-time in his retirement, he is still 24th all-time in goalie point shares, he was 7th all-time in his retirement, he was 10th all-time in minutes at his retirement, and games played, and perhaps most impressive of all, hockey, as we talk about many times with goalies, hockey reference has a stat called Goals Saved Above Average, which is a combination of a formula using both save percentage and goals, as well as Lee Average things, which tries to tell uh, you how much better than average a goalie was. And in that stat, Perron is fourth all-time behind only Esposito, Waugh, and Hassert. Now, keep in mind, this is a cumulative stat. Uh, so, you know, we will, as we will find out uh, next episode or whenever we talk about the class of 83. Uh, Dryden is lower on a total list like this, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's Esposito, Waugh, and Ashik, and of course, all those, well, two of those guys, anyway, played significantly longer than um, Braun did. He was also 18th all-time... Uh, in GAA at his retirement with a 255, and he was fifth all time in save percentage with only a 915. But of course, he retired in 79 uh, as well, and uh, so he missed the 80s. And so that's one reason why, um, you know, uh, well, but he was playing in the 70s, so like it's both like it's why he was also not higher but also not lower because he didn't play in the 90s either. Um, so uh, Airwise, wise, um, of the nine goalies played in 410 games between 65 and 79, he was fourth in wins. He was uh, third last in losses, which is excellent. He was first in ties, in, which I don't know, six in goals against, third in shots against, third in saves, tied first in save percentage. So that 915 save percentage actually looks quite good. Um, basically, best save percentage of the decade, um, along with, uh, I don't know. Um, if Dryden didn't, qual- I, Dr. I didn't qualify he didn't play that many games so I didn't, it might have been Esposito uh, first in GAA again excellent second in goal saved above average behind Esposito tied second in shutouts fourth in minutes and fourth in games so he played a fair amount not as much as some but he was by save percentage GAA um, the best goalie of his era and by goal saved above average and shutouts the second best goalie of his era so that's pretty great and especially for a guy whose career started out so funny, as we will get into, um, that's really impressive. Uh, his season average is 21-15-9, with four shutouts, which is pretty great. Uh, his 82-game average, not that they ever play that much, is 36-27-16, with seven shutouts. Playoffs, he was 8th all-time in playoff wins at his retirement, 10th all-time in losses, 12th all-time in shutouts. Fourth all-time in save percentage, which is really crazy, but keep in mind, save percentage was only tracked since like the early 50s. Uh, So the guys ahead of him in that regard in the playoffs are Johnny Bauer, Jacques Plante, and uh, Glenn Resch. And then uh, 13th all-time in GAA, so a lot less impressive than that, but of course save percentage is a little better assessment of uh, goalie's value than um, than GAA. And fourth all-time in goals saved above average playoff uh, Goal saving above average, behind only uh, plant Dryden, and Sajak, which is quite good company. 11th all time in minutes and 10th all time in points. So once or in games. So once again, he uh, he played not quite as much as some other goalies, but he he absolutely shone. Of the 18 goalies to play in at least 21 playoff games between 67 and 79, uh, he's third in wins, second in losses fourth in goals against fourth and shots against fourth in saves third and save percentage. So not quite as good regular season or sorry, um, for era anyway, uh, fourth and GAA again, uh, not great. I mean, good, good because it's out of, uh, 18 goalies, but still not quite as dominant as regular season. And then interestingly enough, he's second in goal save above average, um, for the playoffs of that era, but he's actually half of Dryden's, um, or just over half of Dryden's, but that's, you know, we'll get into that when we get to Ken Dryden in, in the 83 class. Third in shutouts, which is good. Fourth in minutes and fourth in games. The adjustment for ERA uh, really helps him. Makes him look really good. His, nine, his his adjusted save percentage is 920, which puts him fifth all-time ever behind only Ken Dryden, Tommy Kashuk, uh, Tony Esposito, and Patrick Waugh. So that is excellent company. Um he is uh hockey's hockey futures history of hockey boards does a goals versus average and goals versus threshold calculation, which I've never I don't think I've ever explained the details, but like basically the more you are above the thing, the the more positive you are, the better you are. And Perron is seventh all time in goals versus average, so he's the seventh best goalie ever in comparison to a supposedly average goalie. And he is 14th all time in goals versus the threshold, which is just like um, thresh, goals versus threshold is more of a like even a league average goalie is kind of better than a shitty goalie calculation. So he's just like when when the the threshold is below league average, and then he was the 14th best goalie by that metric. And that brings us to the moment that I think all the fans have been waiting for. <laughs> And that is Perron's trades. So, uh, Bernie Peron, um was not a star, uh, to put it mildly, uh, when he started his career. Um, and one of the reasons he went to the W.E.J. I think was that he suspected uh, that he uh, was getting. I mean, so. so I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. He was not good. So he, he started with Boston in which he was not good. He then went to Philly in which he was good, but like, wasn't really stealing whoever. I don't know who the Flyers goalie was in the late sixties, but he did not steal that job. So, uh, he found his way, uh, to the Toronto police. And, uh, so the first, uh, um, the first trade actually um, is is you know it's actually good. The the Leafs won the first trade. Um, the Leafs won it because they got Rikio out of it. Uh, so um, I will just say so they so Perron was 25 and they got a second round pick which became Rikio and they gave up uh, Mike Walden, uh, Bruce Gamble and a first round pick. So they won that right? Mike Walden was 26 and, like, went to the WHA soon after, like, in a few years. And, uh, you know, um, he's also just Mike Walden and Rick Keogh. I mean, I, don't, I guess you could debate who had the better career, because Walden, I think, won a Stanley Cup at some point, but Keogh had a pretty decent offensive career. So, that's all fine and good. The problem was... <laughs> A little while later, um, because he was sort of platooning with Jacques Plante, um, Perron was not happy and he joined the WHA. In his one season, the WHA, he was not great. And he, despite getting a lot of money initially, he got into a contract dispute. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, he actually walked out on his WHA team in the playoffs. Um, Due to a contract dispute, I think, and he he wanted to return to the NHL. And what happened? Yes, he did. He left. He left uh, his his the Philadelphia uh, team, the WHA team in the playoffs in the middle of the playoffs. So that that would look bad if it was an NHL team, but of course it's WHA. Nobody cares. <laughs> but what happened was he was playing for Philly in the WHA as well, and he wanted he didn't want to go back to Toronto. And because I guess he was not having a great season in the WHA and he had never won the starter job in Toronto, when he said to the Leafs, trade me back to Philadelphia, they're like, cool. And so they traded Perron plus a sixth rounder for a first round pick and a player to be named later. That first round pick became um, Bob Neely. So uh, many many moons ago, we did a like worst Leafs trades in history on our <laughs> blog, and this came in uh, at number four because the Leafs in this trade, the Leafs gave up 67.1 regular season point shares, which is a uh, it's a career um, because they got the Flyers got Perron and they got, and Larry good enough was the second round pick. And he of course became a, a important role player for the Flyers dynasty. The Leafs got, um, Doug Favel and, and, uh, Bob Neely, um, Bob Neely scored 89 points, uh, in 261 games for the Leafs and Doug Favel uh, won 26 games and lost 26 games for the Maple Leafs. So anyway, sorry to dwell on this, but like <laughs> much like, much like with Jerry Cheevers, uh, though, in much worse in this case, because Bernie Perron is like one of the best goalies of his era. <laughs> the Leafs had a Hall of Fame goalie and we're just like, you know what? We're just going to like, let you go because like, we think we have our goaltending sorted there. Now, there yeah, was some extenuating circumstances, right?
1: But Yeah, but also, like, typical, like, I guess now we could say it's typical back then. You know, they had just won fairly recently, but, like, yeah. typical impatience and just, yeah. like, oh, this guy's not doing it. Let's get rid of him. Like, if you just waited a year or
2: two. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I
0: don't know, if Peron, like, how long Perron would have held out if they're, like, no, we won't trade you if you want to come back. But the thing is, he left his WHA team, right? You got to think he want he was desperate to play in the NHL again, but they happy. just were like, they're like, yeah, we'll trade you, sure. And then it, and then things. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know about Bernie Brown's clear career, of course, he then immediately turned into like the best goalie in the NHL, like immediately after this trade happened. So, it's it's um, it's not great. In fact, he had well, we'll we'll get to that. So. As I said, his WHA season was not great. He was a starter. He was thirty-three and twenty-eight, two shutouts, but uh, goal saved above average. He was actually below that. He was below zero. He was a minus eight goal saved above average for his one season in the WHA, which suggests he just—I mean, it's the WHA, but he also just not didn't have a good year. He was weirdly traded for a bunch of like him and, and him and another NHLer were traded like in the WHA. I don't think Henri Lacroix was there. So, there was, he was involved in some really weird, shady trade as well in the WHA that involved guys that weren't actually playing. Anyway, it's a, he probably doesn't want his WHA um, experience mentioned really because it didn't go well. So, uh, his accomplishments they are legion. Um, he won the consmythe Smythe twice, which is the second most ever, uh, in history uh, behind, uh, of course and uh, he's tied with like lemieux and Orr and somebody else i'm sure i'm not remembering uh he's the only goalie i believe to win the Smythe twice if i'm not mistaken he also won the vesna twice uh the same two years he won the Smythe. it's notable he there was a two-year period where he was very clearly the best goalie in the nhl um now it's worth noting the vesna was the jennings but i'm pretty sure he would have won the the Besna anyway the modern Besna those two seasons and we'll get to why um soon um uh,
1: Patrick Roy won it twice as well
0: oh sorry yeah of course yes so I'm it's not back
1: him back, but they, 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 yeah definitely two in Montreal and I think they're I think one was Sackick for Colorado and I think Roy got the other one
0: he didn't he didn't win both in Montreal he didn't win two in Montreal did he Eighty six and ninety three. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry. Yeah, so the Montreal
1: one, like I'm not sure about Colorado. There's no way to win both Montreal. No, no,
0: no, no, you're right. And he won one in Colorado. No, you're absolutely right. Uh so actually, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Um Pearl has the second most cosmice for a goalie.
1: Yeah. I still live close to Quebec, he might come find me. I gotta make
2: sure
1: I give him his due. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: So uh he was he was also top 5 in heart voting twice both of those years that he won the Vesna. You'll be shocked to learn. He was top 5 in Calder voting once despite his sort of not amazing start to his career. But the Calder standards are generally lower. He was the first team all-star twice. Only twice those two good years but still. And five all-star game appearances. By hockey references, uh, point share standard, Bernie Perron was the best goalie or best, sorry, best player in the NHL in 1974. And he was the best goalie in 74 and 75. He was also a top five player in 75. He was a top 10 player five total times. And he was a top five goalie six times and a top 10 goalie nine times. And that's out of, like I said, 13 seasons. So that's pretty good. He led the league in wins twice. And uh, the first three guesses don't count which two years those were. Uh, He is also one of only six goalies ever to have uh, 45 wins, and he was the only goalie in history to have done that at his retirement. He is one of only 13 goalies ever to have 40 wins, and only four at his retirement had ever done that, and the other three are Blanc, Sochak, and Dryden. He is one of only five goalies ever at his retirement to have 35 uh, wins. Those are Dryden, Blanc, Sochak, and Jackman. He led the league in shutouts three times. It's the 10th most that's ever happened. Uh, he was he had ten shutouts twice, which is uh, fifteen goalies ever. Twelve is his retirement, so that's very impressive. He had five shutouts four times. Only twenty two goalies have ever done that. He led the league in shots against once, which is impressive for a guy who has high save percentage numbers for his era. Because of course it's it's all well and good to have the highest save percentage in the league if you're not getting the most shots. But when you get the most shots too, like that's really impressive. He was also top five seven times, which is the sixth most ever. And the same goes for saves. It's worth noting he led the league in saves once and he also was top five, seven times, which is the sixth most ever. So he got he got shelled more than you might think. Especially given the reputation the Flyers had. He led the League in Save percentage once. You'll never guess what season he did that in. Uh he was top five six times, which is also uh sixth most all time, which is again very impressive. At his retirement, he was one of only 10 goalies ever to have a 9.30 save percentage. Keep in mind, save percentage was only like 30 years old at this point. Not even 25 years old. Uh, He was also only six goalies ever to have a 9.25 save percentage three times, now 12. Uh, And at his retirement, he was one of only six goalies ever to have a 9.20 save percentage four times. Uh, He led the league in GAA twice. You'll never guess which seasons he did that in. he also had an under 225 uh, GA three times, one of only 23 goalies ever at his retirement, and under 255 times, one of only 22 goalies ever at his retirement, and you might wonder why is that less a select group than save percentage, and that's because GAA has been tracked since the very first game of the NHL, and uh, GAA numbers in the late 20s are bonkers, so Perron is competing with those people. So, He led the league in goal-saved above average once. He was top five six times, that's 10th most all-time, and top ten nine times, also 10th most all-time. However, by this particular metric, goal-saved above average, his 1974 season is the best season by a goalie in the history of the NHL. Regular season, of course. But then he won won the Conn Smythe, so you can't really criticize the playoffs either. So that's worth noting. Um, Now, this is one metric. It's only one metric, but it is a comprehensive metric in the way that wins and save percentage and GAA aren't, um, or shutouts or whatever. Um, yeah, and it is, so it's, no, it, it is not necessarily correct, but it is worth noting he is the goalie that that metric says has the best regular season ever. Um, he was plus 70, uh, 73 Goal saved above average. So no one has ever done that since. He was plus forty-five twice, and there are only four other goalies who have ever done that, and those are hashek Dryden, Esposito, and Wah. Um, and he basically he was he's you know he's in an elite group. Even you drop it down the press plus 30 uh three times, nine goalies ever, plus twenty-five, four times, nine goalies over, etc. You get it. He led the league in minutes that that best season. His adjusted say, uh, percentage uh, for his peak is a 9.26, which is quite good. It's actually fifth all-time, only behind Dryden, Hasek, Esposito, and Wah. So, again, very league company. His 244.4 goals versus average for his peak is fifth all-time behind Hasek, Esposito, Dryden, Wa. I feel like I'm saying the same goalies over and over again because I am. <laughs> His uh, 516.6 goals versus threshold for his peak is ninth all-time, so it makes him look a little bit less great, but that's just because that stat includes more players who qualify. Um, Also, we're mentioning this in the accomplishments section, not the great team section, because um, it qualifies as more of an individual accomplishment. He set and holds the the save percentage record for a single playoff. And he did that in the late '60s for a shitty Flyers team. This is before they traded him to the Leafs. Weirdly, (laughs) Uh, it was it's it's a nine sixty three save percentage. It's only over the course of five games, but that is enough games to qualify for that record, and he still holds it today. Wow! So just FYI, Um, WHA he led the WHA in wins ending goals against in his season, but otherwise that season didn't go that well. So lastly, uh, he was the MVP on two Stanley Cup winners, as we already mentioned. In seventy-four, he led the playoffs and wins shots against saves, save percentage shutouts and minutes, and he played every minute. And the same oh no, in seventy five, he, he led the playoffs and wins uh shots against saves, GAA shutouts and minutes. Not quite as impressive, I think he actually Maybe he didn't play every minute there. He also, uh, you know, was the – he shared – he was like part of a tandem when they went to the uh, finals in 76. It wasn't his best year. But his two – his 74 and 75 are two of the best years ever by goalies in, in NHL history. So, controversial case. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's uh, – you know, it's a, you're listening off the stats and it's like – you look at some of the big sort of I you know, I had dominant season stats, you're like, Yeah, he's top five ever, maybe maybe top three, top two ever, in terms of having those dominant seasons. Like maybe he just didn't have the career longevity some of the other guys did, but like yeah. so maybe you can't put him as a top five of all time goalie, but in terms of like pure talent and sort of like a streak of brilliance, it's he's right up there. Like that's really impressive.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean goalies are really hard, right? I mean, you and I, I think, agree on who we think is the best goalie ever, but we both watched Hashik. so, like, we have, you know, I didn't watch Perl. um, I didn't watch Plot. You know, I didn't watch uh, Bill Dernan. You know, I didn't, you know, Al Connell, like, super, super old dudes. Um,
1: and, and, by the way, Patrick Royce is real, real, like, we both agree with Hashik because I think Hashik's peak was a bit higher. Yeah. Uh, in terms of he did it, like, really consistently insane for about Five, six years, yeah, five, five or six in a row. Um, but when Roy was on, ooh, that's like I don't know who what? I'd rather have to be honest. like yeah, pretty
0: lights out. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure either, frankly. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know where Perron's two seasons in a row compares to that. It was obviously not six seasons like Hashik's, and like he doesn't have quite as many stellar playoff performances as Wada's, but like he's definitely he's like on the short list with Dryden and Esposito um, for the best goalie of the seventies. I think you could say he beats Esposito because he had playoff success where Esposito did not, you know, Esposito yeah. was demonstrably like, you know, he, got, yes, Esposito had a shittier team in front of him, but he was also worse, you know, for yeah. went out and had a great playoff one year when the, that the flyers sucked. Right. Like he went and he, he set, I'll say a say percentage record that it still stands to this day when the Flyers sucked as Bizzou never did that um, so i think it's Dryden and, and and Perron who you put first probably depends on what you think how much you think it matters the team in front of you because of course you know the Habs of the late 70s are are probably the best team in history so you know, Dryden has a bunch of cups where he might not have had to work as much. I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like it's between the two of them for the best goalie of that decade. And then after that, I don't know where you go in terms of like all time. I mean, I haven't sat down and looked at like, you know, who are the best goalies of each decade are, but I
1: think he's probably top ten. Oh, I I would I would say, you know, we we you know, well, we haven't made our top ten goalies list yet, but I I I suspect he'll be making an appearance.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Without even, you know, without even really doing any sort of a dive or really going into, obviously, like I'm gonna probably have a few more that I've seen with my own eyes. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just just off the sort of name test in my head. I'm mean, Bernie Perron top ten. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and and like, I mean, having the best, at least by one metric, having the best year of any regular season, like any regular yeah. season of any NHL goalie is. It's something. Um, yeah, well,
1: and and back-to-back Consumites.
0: Yeah, you know. back-to-back Consumites, back-to-back Veznas. I yeah. know it wasn't the real Vezna, but there's no way he wasn't winning the real Vezna these years either. Even though yeah. his year in 74 was demonstrably better than it was in 75, it's not like he had a bad year in 75. He just didn't have as good a year as he did in 74, you
1: know? Yeah, and the, like the Flyers were a great team, but I mean, they were beating like the Habs and the 70 yeah. Bruins and like manhandling everybody. It's <laughs> so, like...
0: Don't forget Perron, the Sabers.
1: Yeah, the Sabers. He yep, beat
0: Perron. like the best Sabers team ever, too.
1: Yeah, but Perron has a lot to do with that, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, yeah. you know, well, he got, he got shelled. shelled anybody, and I'll be there to make the big save, you know. So
0: in '74, he got shelled. You know, he really? he led he led the league in shots against in '74, wow. and Man. and yet he was still the best goalie in the league by leaps and bounds. You know.
1: Now here's a question for you, and I don't know if we can look up the stat. Do you think that he got shelled because they were all always killing penalties because <laughs> they were just beating the shit out of everybody? I,
0: I I honestly don't know. I it would be great if they had say like shots over the course of the power play, right? Like that would be
2: really yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm sure they don't.
0: Yeah. Um, I just I'm pulling up. Uh, so, uh, oh, Esposito also had a really good year that year. Actually, I was going to say how high, how far apart, how far ahead was Brandon Browne? Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because he did get she- – he got shelled. But
2: anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that that's one of those things, too, that, like, emboldens a team, right? Like, yep. you think back to the 2011 final, the Bruins like beating the of the cuts. They didn't tear- care if they took a penalty because Thomas was going to stop it, so it didn't matter. you yeah. could play real rough, like, I'm going to give him an extra whack and see if the ref calls it because I know Thomas will stop it. It doesn't matter. Yep. But, so if if you've got that where you've got – and don't forget they have Bobby Clark, too, right? So if he's not yep. taking the penalty, he's out there killing the penalty. <laughs> so. Yeah um you know like you can play like a real bunch of meatheads if you know like your your penalty kills 95 they're like they're probably not going to score on us but they're going to feel every one of those extra wax extra punches like you yeah. can play like that right so maybe that's a huge maybe no i i, I think their, you're yeah i think you're i think you're
0: right i
2: think there's something to that
1: like a bigger part of their identity is the broad street bullies than we realize even if yeah. See this there I'm sure there are flyer fans who can recall that he probably got into a fight at some point just to join the join the gang but I mean yeah. like he's not he's not known as like Billy Smith where he was just beating the shit out of people either yeah. right so
2: yeah yeah I
0: mean I think I I'm sure that that factored into it right they felt really comfortable um once once they knew you know he was having this year they probably were just like yeah well, it doesn't matter what we do he's yeah. stopping it So lastly uh we have Phil Esposito um who is I don't know about you, Bill, but it feels like possibly like underrated now because,
1: because of because of what Gretzky did to his numbers so shortly after?
0: Yeah, I think I, that I, but I, also if look at a picture of Phil Esposito. And when you look <laughs> at a picture of Phil Esposito, your brain says that is not that man is not an athlete. And I mean certainly mine does. Uh and I do wonder how much of like we forget about how great he was. In part because the man looks like he was just a guy. Um, yeah, well, a, a I know Gretzky, I know Gretzky looks like, looks like just, just a guys. guy too, but like yeah. Phil Esposito looks like he, like, hasn't. I understand he did actually train and stuff. He looks like a guy who didn't train.
1: Um, yeah, well, it's, it, it, I think it's really weird too because it's like the the, the version of in shape we have now is yeah. very different from the version of in-shape that they had back then, right? Yes. Like, a absolutely. lot of guys who used to work out, they didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have, like, all these, you know, they didn't have, like, isometric training, and they didn't have, you know, uh, Nautilus, and they they didn't focus on individual muscles so that each muscle looks the way it's supposed to in its peak yeah. form. It was like, are you strong enough to lift this gigantic thing of nails? Sure, great. Do it 100 times. <laughs> like, yeah, it was yeah. Like, they sort of only did CrossFit back then, <laughs> but it's then they got like sort of just workmen's bodies, right? Like, yeah. Uh, what, what what's his pickle there, um, Bobby Hull? Uh, everybody kept saying like he's so strong because he goes home and he works on he works on his farm, yeah. And everything he does on his farm is like helps his slap shot because he's baling hay all day and it's like that almost the reverse motion of a slap shot all day, yeah, yeah, heavy like hell. So he does that all day and then when he le- releases a slap shot he's got all this all this muscle that's specifically sort of built for that but he didn't he didn't do it intentionally he's just working you know and yeah. like I forget there's another great quote I think might might have been Esposito was one of those guys from back then maybe Gordie Howe and it was uh you know uh when somebody's working on a farm they uh they 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 drive the bulls in Bobby carries the bulls in <laughs> <We're> Talk <laughs> about how ridiculously strong he was you know Yeah yeah you
0: know, so. Yeah. Uh, I've heard similar things about Dallas Smith, actually. Um, anyway, uh, so Esposito played for 18 seasons, uh, 16 quality in our estimation, so it's a longer career than either of these two other guys. Uh, he, was, he is currently seventh all-time in goals, one of the few players to score 700. He is 23rd all-time in assists, and he's 10th all-time in points to this day, a plus 252, which is pretty damn good. Uh, And he's still six all-time in offensive point shares, despite the 80s happening. Uh, Retired in 81, if anyone's interested. Uh, 13th all-time in goals per game to this very day, and 11th all-time in points per game. It's also worth noting he briefly held the uh, points per game record uh, from uh, the end of the 1970-71 season uh, to the next season, and then he lost it, I think, to Bobby Orr. That's (laughs) great. So just... FYI. Of the uh, 14 skaters play in at least 984 games or 1,200 seasons between 63 and 81, Esposito is first in goals, you'll be shocked to learn. Uh, by 243! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yes. This, this, this whole section is just going to be stupid, okay? So he's first in goals per game by .15. So what's that? Like a seventh of a goal a game over a career? That's it's nice. crazy. He's first in assists by only 97. A slacker. Uh, he's second in assists per game. Again, what a fucking slacker. Uh, he's first in points and he's ahead by 356. This is Rattel, he was ahead of, by the way, in terms of goals and assists wow. and points. Um, and he's first in points per game and he's ahead by 0.14 points per game. So again, almost as far ahead as he is uh, in terms of goals per game. It's, it's basically like a seventh or an eighth of a point per game over a career, which is just an absolute ton. He is second in plus minus, uh, probably to Lemaire or somebody like that. And he's first in point shares by 41.1. So there are plenty of players who had careers where they didn't add up to 41.1 point shares. Now, Probably not Hall of Fame players, but still being ahead by 41.1 is insane. He is first in offensive point shares by 42, so that's that entire 41.1 is contained in that. He's six in defensive point shares, and he's the third or fourth forward. Um, I have no idea if he had a defensive reputation or not. I don't. I doubt it. But uh, the fact is, uh, if you're on the ice for the early '70s Bruins and they're scoring a ton, you have you get defensive point shares. He is also first in games by 83. His 82 game average is a preposterous 102 points, 46 goals in there, and plus 16, which sounds very good until you hear his three-year peak. (laughs) A 78 game average of 66 goals, 73 assists, 140 points, plus 48. I mean, video game. Uh and honestly, if, if Gretzky and Lemieux didn't exist, we would we would think this is just utterly incredible, but they exist. Yep. So. Playoff numbers. He was six all time in playoff goals at his retirement, six all time in assists at his retirement, and fifth all time in points. So despite his relative lack of playoff success compared to someone like Lemaire, he had uh in terms of actual like winning, he had you know he, he had great playoff numbers, and he was only he's only 17th all time in uh, games at his retirement. So top six offensive player, or top five, but 17th in games played. He was also uh, tied for 24th and plus minus at his retirement in the playoffs. He is currently 25th all time in points per game, playoff mm-hmm. points per game. Still, he is dropped off the leaderboards in the other categories, but. It's worth noting at his retirement, he was 11th all-time in playoff goals per game, 13th all-time in playoff assists per game, and 10th all-time in playoff points per game. So not quite as good as regular season numbers, but of course, playoffs are harder. Of the 68 skaters to play in at least 82 playoff games between 63 and 81, he's 2nd in playoff goals, 6th in goals per game, 2nd in assists, 5th in assists per game, 2nd in playoff points, and fourth in playoff points per game. So much like Lemare, his totals are amazing. His per game are slightly not as good. Eighteenth in playoff plus minus fourth in games played. Um, the adjustment for ERA, you know, it, it 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 hurts him, but it also doesn't hurt him that much because he's still ninth all time in goals, and he's still fourteenth all time in points, which is just a little bit worse. Um, it knocks him down six points to a terrible 96 points per 82 games, which is awful. Uh, for the hockey reference adjustment, he's currently 25th all-time in adjusted goal three game and 23rd all-time adjusted points per game. If you raise that qualifier to 10 modern seasons, he's 9th all-time in goals per game, 12th all-time in points per game. And if you raise that to 15 seasons, he's 3rd all-time behind only Brett Hull and Howe in goals three game. He's 14th all-time in adjusted assists for game, and he's 5th all-time in adjusted points per game behind only Gretzky, Howe, Sackick, and Jager So, good company. Versus X, he's 6th all-time in goals, uh, 16th all-time in assists, ninth, Uh, sorry, 6th all-time in points. So, he looks better uh, with the versus X adjustment than the hockey reference adjustment, at least in totals. He's not in the top 25 in, uh, per game numbers, but if you raise the qualifier to 10 seasons, he's eighth all time in versus X adjusted goals per game, 11th in assists per game, and eighth in points. So pretty damn good. Top 10 player, basically, offensive player. And if you raise it to 15 seasons, he is second in goals per game behind Howe, fifth in assists behind Gretzky, Howe, Makita, and Oates, and third in points behind only Gretzky and Howe. So great company there. Um, We have two of the most famous trades of their era. We've talked about the Rattel trade already in the Rattel episode, um, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I think we both decided was like a pretty good trade both ways, right? Like, Boston gets Rattel and Brad Park and uh, has some late 70s success, goes to the final twice, and the Rangers get uh, Esposito and less good uh Carol Vadney, and uh they go to the final like a year or two after that.
2: So yep. it's
0: hard to really be upset about it. But the really big one is the infamous trade where the Blackhawks gave up on him at age 25, and they sent him and Ked Hodge and Fred Stanfield to Boston for Gilles Noura, Pitt Martin, and Jack Norris. You and, know what? Uh, this is considered one of the worst trades in history for obvious reasons because not only did the Bruins get Esposito, they got two other like top six forwards, yeah. One of whom was top three for a while. Ken Hodge was playing with, I think, uh, Espo and Busick for a while, I believe, um, at one point. And uh, yeah, and they got back Pitt Martin and two other guys. Pitt Martin is the only. One of those three players I've ever heard of personally. Yeah. (laughs) And he was like, you know, the second line center for the seventies blackhawks for like eight years or something. And that's it. Whereas like, you know, um, one of the top five centers in history ish went the other way ish. I don't know. I guess we'll get there. (laughs) Um, so he has some accomplishments, uh, two hearts tied ninth most ever. also top five in heart voting three more times. Uh, so from 69 to 74, he had five top five heart finishes. So that's every season. If you're, if you're counting, he also won the, uh, what was then the, the Pearson twice, which is the tied for eighth most ever. He also won the art Roth's four times, which is the fourth most ever. And the second most at his retirement behind only glory. How, um, he was our MVP, our back check MVP in 69 and 73, and our back check best player in 69. Please listen to those episodes. Plug, plug, plug. Um, he made a first team All Star six times and second team twice, and he has 10 All Star game appearances. Uh, hockey reference lists him as the best player in the league in 69, as well as a top five uh, eight other times, which is six most ever. He also set the single. Let's try this again. He set the single season record for offensive point shares in 1970, and he held the record until Gretzky beat it 12 years later. So that's pretty good. He was shockingly the best offensive player that season in 1970, but another four other times, which is the fourth most all time behind only Gretzky, Howe, and Lemieux. So at least by offensive point shares, it's only Gretzky and Lemieux who are ahead of him as centers uh he was top 5 eight times which is tied six most all time as well this is this is there's a lot of stuff here
2: um
0: <laughs> he set the single season record in goals famously which he also held for 12 years uh, until Gretzky beat him he led the league in goals six times which is the third most all time behind only Ovechkin and Howe so that's uh you know impressive uh top 5 eight times which is tied the 5th most all-time, um, and the only people ahead of him are Howe, Ovechkin, Richard, and Bobby Holt. And in top 10, 9 times, which is 8th, tied 8th most all-time. He also led the league in goals three game 5 times, tied 4th uh, most all-time, but behind only uh, Bobby Holt, Ovechkin, and Lemieux. He is one of only 6 players ever to score 75 goals, and of course he was the first player to do so. He's one of only four players ever to score 65 goals three times. Uh, the other players are Gretzky, Lemieux, and Hull. And it's worth noting, of course, that they all did that in the 1980s and the ni- early 90s. He's one of only four players ever to score 60 goals four times. Gretzky, Bozzi, and Lemieux are the others. Again, note, he is the only one who have done it when he, was ret- when he retired. And it goes on like this. 55 goals five times. Uh, just Gretzky and Bossy in him. 45 goals six times. It's uh, now been done 11 times, but at his retirement, it was only him, Dion, and Lafleur. Uh, 40 goals uh, at his retirement, it was just Hall, Dion, and him. Now 10 players have done it. Uh, 30 goals. Uh, at the time, only Howe, Hal, Wabia Hall, and him had scored it uh, 13 times. Now nine players have. It. 20 goals 16 times. Only four players had done in his retirement, Howe, Busick, and Ullman, so a slightly different group. He set the single-season record in assists, but then he lost it to Bobby uh, Bobby Orr the next season. He led the league in assists three times, which is tied third most behind Gretzky and Orr, his teammate. He's top five eight times, tied seventh most ever, top ten nine times, tied ninth most ever. It's crazy. There's just a lot. He led the league in APG uh, assists per game, sorry, twice, which is the ninth most ever. He had 70 assists four times, uh, one of only four players ever at his retirement. Those players are Ordeon and Lafleur. Now 12 players have done it. 60 assists six times, one of only three players at his retirement. Those are Lafleur and Orr. Now 20 players have done it because of the 80s. He had 50 assists seven times, and the other players to do so at his retirement were only Bobby Clark, Marcel Dion, and Stan Mikita. He had 40 assists 13 times, and again, only three players had done it at his retirement. Those were uh, Gordy Howe and Stan Mikita. He set the single-season record in points, as everybody knows, in 69. Then he broke his own record in 71, and he held it for 10 years until Gretzky broke it. He led the league in points five times, which tied the most ever, behind only Gretzky, Howe, and Lemieux, and he was top 10 10 times, which is tied ninth most ever. He led the league in points per game five times, tied fourth all-time behind Gretzky, Lemieux, and Howe. He scored 150 points once, the first player to ever do so, and the five players to have uh, done that are Gretzky, Lemieux, Nichols, and Eiserman, and only Gretzky had done it when Esposito retired. 140 points twice, um, one of three players ever Gretzky and Lemieux, and of course that means Esposito was the only player to do so in his retirement. He had 130 points, a ridiculous four times, which uh, only Gretzky and Lemieux have done it, and of course Esposito did it way before they did. 120 points is the same thing. Yeah. But, well, actually, not quite the same thing. Dion is in this group as well. Uh, 120 points six times, Gretzky, Lemieux, Dion, but of course Esposito did it first. And you can just go down, you can look at our show notes, it's just, you know. <laughs>
1: it's pretty ridiculous.
0: It's ridiculous. He was also top five and plus minus four times. Uh, and only four players have done, or sorry, uh, only three players have done it more than him. And those are Orr Gretzky and Brad McCrimmon. And you're like, Brad McCrimmon? And it's because he was on the 80s flyers. So, uh, versus x-peak adjustment. Uh, he looks a little bit better than Jacques Lemaire. Let's put it that way. Um, best seven <laughs> seasons. He is fourth all-time in goals behind only Bobby Hall, uh, Maurice Richard, and Gordie Howe. He is fourth all-time in assists as well behind only Gretzky or and frank Boucher, and he's second, second behind Gretzky in points. Now, some of that has to do with games played, right? It's worth noting Lemieux is not there because Lemieux missed a whole bunch of games, and these are um, cumulative stats. Well, sorry, they're averages of totals, so they're cumulative averages of cumulative, but if you miss games, you're going to be hurt. Best 10 seasons, he drops slightly because um, his peak was just ridiculous and he didn't have the same level of peak as some of his competition. So goals, he's 5th all-time behind Bobby Hall Richard Howe, and Ovechkin assists, he's 3rd all-time behind Gretzky and Boucher, and um, points, he's 3rd all-time behind Gretzky and Howe. So this at least says his peak was better than Howe's in terms of assists and goals, but like his, his Slightly longer peak was not quite as good as Gordie House. All right. Lastly, um, <laughs> he was the best. I think it's you can make a case, and as a Bobby or a truther, I'm not making this case. But you could make a case that he was the actual best player on. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm confused. Uh, he he was the best player on the Bruins team in '69 that only went to the semifinals. So I was uh, I was confusing what, season, um, what uh, season we were talking about. He led the playoffs in goals and assists in points. He was also uh, the best forward on the Bruins that won in 70. He set the single season record in goals and points. But, of course, uh, Bobby Orr was Bobby Orr um, yep. that year. He was the best skater by points on the 79 Rangers, who went to the Cup Final and lost to the Habs. He was also the best forward on the Bruins, who won in 72. He led the playoffs in goals and points. Again, we were leading in assists, this might be a defenseman. And then he was a top six forward by points um, on two runners up, the 65 Blackhawks and 74 Bruins. I don't know what's going on. 74 Bruins, I guess he might have been injured or someone was just, he was maybe he was having to actually play against some good defensive uh, forwards for the <laughs> Flyers or something uh, and uh, two uh, semi-finalists the 66 and 67 Blackhawks when of course he was playing, playing behind Makita and uh, in, six, in the 64 Blackhawks where they also went to the semi-finals he uh, he just didn't play that much uh, as far as we know he also uh, won a Canada Cup in 76 when he was a top six forward by points I have no idea what actual role he was playing, and then finally, infamously, he was, or famously for Canada, infamously for the Soviets, he was the best player um, by points on the 72 Canada team that beat the Soviets in the Summit Series. So that yeah, was well,
1: that's, really, that's, that's, really long that's list. The one, that's the one in, like, the one thing that I think sort of, you know, Esposito that's the one thing that sort of makes him stand out as more than just a great hockey player was like some of those moments from that summit series. is like, yeah. where you you sort of realize the, the sort of the presence that he was on, on the ice and in the locker room and just sort of that, that sort of uh, strength of will he had and stuff like that. Like, yeah, everybody knew he's a great hockey player, but it was like, all of a sudden he was center stage captain of the team. And like, yeah. it became a huge deal. Right. So,
0: so can I tell you something? Um, yes. years ago mm-hmm. somebody probably on sports talk radio I don't know I used to listen to sports talk radio and I've i have cured myself of that habit but I used to <laughs> someone once said LeFleur was the best offensive player between Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky and I took it I just assumed it was true and I submit to you and everyone listening that it's Phil Esposito Like, I get that LeFleur had this crazy peak where he scored 120 points like five seasons in a row and 110 six seasons in a row. But LeFleur had a better, I think, no one would disagree with the fact that LeFleur had a better team around him. He didn't have the best player of all time playing with him, but he had a better team around him.
2: And also...
1: I I don't know. Some of those Bruins teams, like, they had so many 20 goal scorers yeah. so many like they, they, they were deep teams so they were deep teams but they didn't win true. the way that the Habs did
0: um mostly because
1: the Habs were in the way <laughs> that's true
0: um I don't know I to me every time I look at Phil Esposito's resume I'm always like shocked at how incredible it is even though I know it's incredible partly because of the physique thing, and partly because it just, like, for some reason he doesn't get talked about as much as like LeFleur, even. And and I don't know, or at least in, in the circles that I'm in, um, I it just feels like he's underappreciated slightly. And part of that might be just Bobby Orr, right? Yeah. But, like, he did things that no one had ever done. It took a decade for someone to do to beat them, and then the person who beat them was the best center in the history of the sport.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can, some people might just say, oh yeah, those Bruins teams, all they did was score, and blah blah blah, like, you know, they Orr was a plus 128, of course he was great, Orr was always on the ice, be like, yeah, but Orr didn't play in 72, and he was the best forward for Team Canada, (laughs) like, kind of, like, kind of seemed like...
2: Well, and
0: he went and dragged a not great Rangers team to the finals, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think that Rangers team was that good, were they? I'm going to have to look them up since we're talking about it. But, like, um, I mean, maybe they were. Uh, I, I'm going to look them up right now. Um, and- Anders Hedberg was the – the in the regular season was the other – like, was Espo's lineman, and Pat Hickey. You know, uh, in the playoffs – in the playoffs, the second the guy who tied Espo for the team lead in scoring was Don Maloney. You know the um, Mike McEwen and Ron Greshner had really good offensive season, uh, offensive playoffs for defensemen that playoff. Th- this is here. This is the '79 Rangers playoff uh, roster in terms of scoring: Espo, Maloney, McEwen, Greshner, Don Murdoch. Walt Kachuk, who was 31, Carol Vadney, Ron DeGay, Anders Hedberg, who was having a bad playoff given his regular season. Steve Vickers, Pat Hickey, Bobby Sheehan, Dave Maloney, Mario Marois, Pierre Plant, Eddie Johnston, like Lucien Dubois. Like, this is not a. Wolf Nelson was yeah. hurt the whole thing. This is not a good team.
1: Yeah.
0: Man. I mean, sorry, it's probably a fine team. It's not a great team, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: And they and they yeah they got their asses kicked in the uh, finals, but they beat the Islanders before that. They beat the Flyers. Those were two very good teams back then. Um, and you got to think a lot of that was on Espo. He led he led both the regular season and playoffs in points. Man. Uh, and he was you know 36.
1: Yeah, look, a, a lot of people sort of say that too. They're like, Ah, oh, he wouldn't be able to play in today's NHL. He's too slow. He's too like, yeah, but you couldn't move the guy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's and it's it's really funny. I was just like reading through an old thread, kind of just to see see what some other opinions were out there. And some people are just like, ah, he'd maybe be like an Aginla type. That guy's not the best skater, but he always scores. But like, yeah, but Aginla like a one of the best wrist shots you've ever seen. And then it's like, if you just think about it, he's probably a lot like a, a much better Todd Bertuzzi when Bertuzzi was at the peak, where it was just like you couldn't move the guy. He weighed like. 30 more pounds than everybody else and would just stand there. And no matter what you did, he wasn't going anywhere. And if you were able to stay in that greasy area, screen the goalie, knock in rebounds and, you know, like it it, to, to me, it's like, I think he would have thrived in almost any era. He might not have put up the same numbers, but he would have been a really effective player in any era. And, you know, obviously if he, you know, lived now, they'd be training the way that they, you know, he'd be training the way everybody else did and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it it kind of seemed like he was one of those guys who – and it, it's very rare to to find this in hockey. One of those guys that when he wants to go to the net, you, you can either let him go to the net or he's going to take you with him. But he's going there. There's yeah. nothing you can do. He's just so strong, you know, and it's like – Yeah. He, he absolutely dominated. And for anybody who says – I mean, the thing is, LeFleur's Le got the flash, right? I mean, he's yeah. – skates like the wind he's a you know one of the flying Frenchmen won all these cups scored big dramatic goals he's French canadian playing for the Canadians he's got the big slapper coming down the wing with his hair flowing in the wind like you know they in French they call him le démon the 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 blonde demon <laughs> you know? yeah. steaming down the wind with his hair flying it just looks better espo just looks like you know he rolled out of a sleep a sleeping car out, out and yeah, yeah. across the country you know? like, you know, he always yeah. looked a bit rough but The guy was just as dominant. And it was, there's one stat I was looking at before. There's only two players who've led the league in goals six years in a row. And it's Esposito from 69 to 75. And then Lafleur from 75 to 81. Yeah. Like did it sort of back to back. Like he was getting older and Lafleur was hitting his prime as Espo was just starting to fade kind of thing. Right. But it's like, if you want to argue between those two, sure, but like uh, to me, it's I think it's Espo. I, I think I'm more on Espo's side. Yeah. Probably just because he played center, and centers weren't the big goal scorers back then, and he was. He's just like I'm. I don't care where you are. I'm I'm doing this, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. <laughs> just, yeah. You, you just go I, watch that Henderson goal. Like that's all Espo. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just him being a real pain in the ass and scaring the Russians into not knowing what to do, and then the puck's just there and he whacks it at the net.
2: <laughs> yeah i i
0: uh i mean i i think he's like just got this absolutely unimpeachable resume and he's clearly one of the best centers of all time yeah. the only the only thing i think you can say in criticism or not criticism in sort of like a counterfactual sort of way is like what happens if he never leaves the blackhawks or doesn't leave the blackhawks until yeah. years later and what the hell happened right like yeah. i don't we don't have ice time numbers It would be really interesting to see what his ice time was on the Blackhawks versus what his ice time was the moment he got to the Bruins. Yeah. Um, because it's crazy, right? Like, uh, I'll have to pull it back up, but like he, he, he just, you know, he was like a player that the Blackhawks just didn't really care about. Um, and like, you know, he, so his points per game, his first Blackhawks season was 0.19, so, but he was a rookie. He was 21. Then it's 0.79, then it's 0.77, then it's 0.88. His career average for the Blackhawks is 0.74 points per game. His career average for Boston is over double that. And it immediately, uh, his first season for the Bruins, it went from 0.88 to point like It went up by almost 0.3 points per game,
1: which is insane maybe he just finally was the was the top dog you know like there was no yeah. there was no better center than him and so he just you know finally got yeah i mean game. i assume
2: it
0: was just like it was it was partly power play right mm-hmm. i gotta think uh I, we can look that stuff up they have the power play stats um yeah he he yeah so he he had a total he had a total of uh um hold on where was it um So he he had 14 power play goals for the Blackhawks and 15 power play assists for the Blackhawks over, you know, 235 games. And then immediately in his first year, he had uh, 10 power play goals and 29 power play assists for the Bruins. So, you know, uh, he doubled his assists in one season. Power play assists. Um, that, and he, he, you know, he almost, he, what, two thirds of his power play goals for, so, I mean, some of that is the power play, but I think it's just ice time in general. You know? And, uh, anyway, I think that's, that's a big, um, that's a big part of it is just like he was not getting enough minutes, uh, to really show what he can do, um, because of Makita but, which is fine, Makita's one of the best centers of the 60s. Um, but, like, it sure makes, like, it, it would be interesting what would have happened to his career if he hadn't been traded to another team, if they just kept him as, like, the second or third line center on the Blackhawks for another five years or something, right? Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. This goes to show you, luck plays huge, huge part in, in this stuff. We don't always think about that. Alright, so... Lemaire, yay or nay?
1: Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he's got a solid enough resume to get in.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think it's it's definitely the least clear cut of these guys, but, like yes, but pretty, yeah, pretty. It's I mean, eight cups. What are you gonna do?
1: It's, um, it's a solid case.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bernie Perrault.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I would say, without doing any research, probably one of the top ten goalies in the history of the yeah. sport. I would say so. Uh, and Espo, uh, is he a top five center? I think he's got to be, right?
1: I would, say, yeah. I mean,
0: who else do you have above him? I don't, I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe even, top, maybe even a top 10 player. I mean,
0: he's, yeah, yeah.
1: He's, he's way up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's it for us, uh, this episode. And, uh, next time we are either, we haven't quite decided yet. We're either going to have one of our top forward episodes or we're going to have the class of 83 with Ken Dryden and, uh, I think Makita and Hull, if I'm not Ooh, mistaken. Fun, huh? Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time.